Hi everyone, welcome to Cancer Healing Journey Talks. Myself, Shruti Dabke from Community Outreach Team of Zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. Cancer Healing Journey Talks helps cancer survivors and caregivers to share their journey with vast number of survivors and caregivers who have traveled or been traveling through this journey. This can inspire them and motivate them for their faster recovery as well. Firstly, I would like to introduce today's speaker, Ms. Shruti. She's a lymphoma cancer survivor. I'm happy that you're here with us today to share your journey with us. Over to you, ma'am. Please start with your introduction. Hi, thank you, Shruti. Yeah, I'm Shruti here again. <laughs> so uh, as she told, I'm actually a lymphoma, to be more precise, a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. So uh, to just a small quick intro, it will be like, I was diagnosed with cancer in December 2019, but when I was diagnosed, I was already in stage four, which means I had cancer growing inside me for the past two years, but I didn't, I didn't know it or I didn't have any symptoms. I did have symptoms like uh, before two years, but they were, they were not so much prominent that we, we were not able to diagnose it. Diagnose it. So basically, I'm, I'm, I'm a physiotherapist. I'm doing my post-graduation now. I'm also working as a part-time therapist. So yeah, that's it about me. Now I'm completely cured, done with my uh, six cycles of chemo, which includes two chemo sessions each. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you please start with your cancer healing journey? Yeah. So let, let me start with, a, with just from the ABCD of it. So it all uh, started at around maybe when two years back, maybe I don't remember in 2017 or 2000, it would be in the late uh, 2017, I guess. I got some weird kind of rashes and I started putting on a lot of weight. I looked bloated up, but whenever you put on weight and you look bloated up and uh, I went to my parents or went to my friends or anyone around me, they said like, you eat a lot. You have to do some exercise, it'll reduce, okay? Wow. That's like a standard cliche term, like everyone yeah. tells you. So that, but I knew that that was not the weight you put on after eating or without doing exercise. It's not that kind of weight. I definitely know it because I looked like a puffed balloon, like a balloon filled mm -hmm. with helium. Right. Okay, so I know that something is wrong with me and it, the scale in the scale also the weight reached up to around 90 I put on around 15 to 20 kgs in a sudden short span of time. So then uh, that was the first symptom I had, but obviously, as everyone said, uh, it, I, I even I thought sometimes I should do some exercise and it'll reduce on its own, but I also tried some doing exercise, but it did not reduce at all. Hmm. The next uh, symptom was that also I had two years back. It was a kind of red rashes, patch kind of rash uh, in my arm, in my legs and stuff. I went to a doctor and uh, as I'm already in the medical field, we, I suspect, uh, I thought it was going to be some kind of rheumatoid or uh, systemic lupus erythromatous, which, which has those kind of symptoms. Cancer was the last thing anyone could even imagine for a 20, I was 19 that time, 19 year old. So I also went to my family doctor. He did, a, he did. Uh, uh, run a lot of tests like a blood test, a 24 hours urine panel, a urine test and a lot of stuff. I, I did take uh, some uh, chest x-ray also but nothing, not uh, the cancer didn't show up. It was like sleeping, hiding inside my body and it did not show up at all. So that's when it started. 
I assume so because it's as I was in, diagnosed in stage four, it should have started two years back, and that must be the stage one which showed up the symptoms. And then um, uh, fast forwarding two years, I was busy in my college life. I didn't have time to take on this all this stuff. So during the period where naturally COVID started, as around March, April, I was at home relaxing, chilling. I didn't go to college. So that time I had like persistent cough for around two to three, three months. I had a lot of cough. I have uh, red nodules in deep down my throat, which I could see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I thought something is wrong. So I went to a pulmonologist. He told me I have some, I, I, because I worked in a hospital, in a government hospital, I did my internship. So it is a place where you have a lot of infections and bacteria. So it might, maybe some bacterial infection. And he gave me some antibiotics and also some supplements to this thing. I, I got cured. I didn't have, then the uh, cough went off. I had a little bit, but it's it, it subsided. I thought, okay, fine. It's, it's going to be okay. And what happened, I again, after the COVID first wave settled down, I again joined college for two months. I finished my internship. I finished my internship in October 2020. And then that's the time when one of my friends noticed a nodule in my neck. This is where it was actually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a nodule there and my friend told me it may be TB because TB, which, which is not in your lung, it may mm-hmm. uh, go up in some, some other places as nodules. Okay, So it may be TB. I mean, I suspected it because I had a lot of cough, right? It, may, it is kind of related. Right. So I thought it would be. But, you know, I, I was not... Uh, I was actually roaming around with my friends at that time and we actually noticed it. I was like one month, the whole of November, I was actually moving around with friends, visiting some places or having fun because it's like after college, I like I finished my UG, it's the fun. So it was a fun part. So I didn't mess up with the fun part. So again, what happened uh, in the start of December, there was, there was a cyclone in Tamil Nadu and the climate change, I got again severe cold and cough. Mm-hmm. So after again, to revisit the pulmonologist whom I saw in March. So his name is Dr. Hari Prasad. I can use his name. He's my uh, loved one. So yeah, I went to him again. Because of COVID, he told like, uh, let, let's take, it's a precaution measure. You just take an x-ray. If it is COVID, it will show, show it up in the x-ray, no issues. So just take an x-ray. <coughs> he gave me some uh, uh, medicines for the cold but asked me to take an x-ray also. That is the one time. And then that's that was the time I also told him that I have a small nodule in my neck. And uh, uh, that was the starting period of having some sort of a back pain that was actually lasting for a month already. It started in November. Like I had a kind of weird back pain because we all have mechanical back pains due to long sitting, right? Mm, right. Experience it. But that mechanical back pain uh, kind of reduces when you lie down or after you sleep. Mm-hmm. My back pain I had a weird, weird kind of thing. Okay? You start in the evenings, in the late evenings, after six or seven, without no like you not. It's not back pain which which is which starts after you pick up some weight thing. No, it's not like that. It'll start. It has no reason. Just start off. It'll reach a peak. Whatever I do, I take rest. I do something. It will not subside. It will reach a peak, a high-end peak, and then it will subside on its own after heart. <coughs> Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, it will subside on its own. So I, I, I try taking rest. 
lying down flat i am a therapist i know how a mechanical back pain will ah, be right treated right so i i kind of thought is not mechanical back pain is something to do with the infection of my uh, backbone hmm. so the first, uh, the plain thing everyone thought was tb tb is has explains a nodule also explains a back pain if it is spread to the spine it obviously explains the back pain right tb is more common in medical professionals as we work in icus and we get contact with in contact with tb patient we don't really know who has tb and who doesn't have even if we wear a mask we are in high risk category so okay tb is fine can take treatment that's okay i was in that mindset and even my pulmonologist thought it may be a tb hmm. so it was a serious so what happened he saw my x ray so actually uh, my uh, i after I, i in the start of december i told you there was a cyclone due to the climate change ah, got a cold. right <laughs> so i went to him he he told me take an x ray first i also told him about nodule and back pain uh, he gave me some uh, some pain subsiding things for the back pain and told just relax first take the x ray we'll move on from that so it was all all online consultation because of covid he didn't treat me in person it was online consultation i took the x ray actually I, i took a photo of the x ray and sent it to him with the photo he he told me that something is wrong with your x ray so there are mm-hmm. a lot of nodes in your x ray there is there is there is the mediastinum means the space between the two lungs okay that is been to be widened and there are a lot of nodules there okay okay that is also a presentation of a tb also tb also presses like that okay cancer yeah, also presses like right? but that time no one's idea ah, that thought didn't came right that thought didn't come in at all because no no one thought of it ah like right Uh, so it was tb in his mind too in my mind too okay maybe tb so from then uh, from there what happened i was actually in coimbatore that time after college i just came here my mom and dad were they here they shifted here at that time so i was in coimbatore so he uh, he referred it to a pulmonologist who is here in coimbatore his name is dr loganathan so we took a ct with contrast <coughs> okay so i remember the day where i got the report of the ct with contrast and the first time i see a name known as lymphoma that's when the ct con- uh, ct mm. report is something which told us it may be lymphoma oh <coughs> so it was like probably tuberculosis but lymphoma is also a chance lymphoma and lymph- yeah. you know like a probability of lymphoma yeah probability of lymphoma so mm. that was the first time i saw the name known as lymphoma and my mom also saw it and she started crying okay. so she was like um, a, a lot she was shouting and crying mm-hmm. like, i didn't take so well like i told this is just a probability a ct scan can't confirm anything so relax i had a lot of tension in my mind but still i told my mom she mm-hmm. we can we can move forward from here then i called my uh, pulmonologist dr harry prasad told like this is the report and he told don't don't panic let's wait for the biopsy report so go to dr lognathan show all the reports take a biopsy and the biopsy will confirm it whether it's tb or something else so in in the meantime when these process was going on in the middle i also took a mantox test which is the uh, the primary test for tb they inject a uh, in, uh, in a forehand uh, in this place they inject a medicine mm. and if tb is positive you you will find some rashes okay that also gave uh, came negative for me and there was a gold assay blood test which also gave negative for tb hmm. so till that 
time, it was around December 3rd or something. Till that time, everything came negative for TB. Except the CT showed it may be TB or lymphoma. Yeah. So this was my that time. So then what happened? Uh, then we went uh, to Dr. Logan. He told me, uh, you have to get admitted to do the biopsy. I was like, are you serious? I can't get it. At that time was the time when I realized I have a fear towards hospitals of getting admitted in a hospital. I've been working in a hospital setting for five years. Uh-huh. The first time they asked me to get admitted for a procedure, I was like panicking and sweating. And uh-huh. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get admitted. No, that's not even, not, not at all possible. So what uh-huh. I asked him that is, you give me a local anesthesia, put a needle and you can like take some tissue for biopsy. Uh-huh. There's a procedure that also okay okay but uh and then uh he told okay you're not i you're not getting convinced when i talk go mm-hmm. to a general okay go to a general surgeon he will talk with you so i went to a general surgeon who was supposed to perform the uh, procedure on me i went to him I, he saw all the nodules and told you have to excise it completely because if you put a needle and take a small part of the tissue Sometimes it will not it will not be enough to do the testing, and again I have to do the biopsy once more again, which is which is again a terrible process. So we will take out the nodule completely. So if you if you need more sample for testing, it will be available, right? The nodule is this much. So just take a part and do the testing, and if the testing should be repeated again, they can again take a part from it. It can be stored. It can be frozen and stored. Right. So he told excision is the best procedure, and you have to be under general anesthesia. So it will be a one-day process. I have to get admitted. I have to be in fasting. The next day, the procedure will take on. This is the this is the procedure. So I was I I oh my god I was in terrible fear. <laughs> okay, so that was the first procedure for me. So and then what what made me uh, strong that time was the uh, the general surgeon who was supposed to perform the surgery on me was kind of a friend of friend, a okay. family friend. Hmm. So we are okay. We are in good hands. You'll we'll just get a feel of okay. We are huh. in good hands. Right. The another doctor who who is our friend, actually our friend, told the general surgeon is a very good doctor. She, he is very uh, he is a very good friend of mine. That's a friend of mm. mine. Okay, fine. Okay, I'm in very good hands. We'll take care. So that's what happened. I got admitted on the same day. I got admitted on the same day at night, and uh, uh, I was in fasting the entire night. I didn't have. A, even a bit of water. The next day morning, nine o'clock was the surgery. I went into surgery and uh, the the person who gave me anesthesia, anesthesiologist was a female. So I still remember uh, she, she looked into me and asked, what are you doing? I am a physiotherapist. Oh, where did you study? And all she was asking and she was injecting anesthesia actually into my way. <laughs> but it was like she was just giving a talk to me. Okay? And then I just fell asleep. So before that, there was a lot of tragedies happening. Like uh, there are two short stories. The one thing was I cried the first thing because mm. as you see, I'm you don't see any veins. Uh-huh. It's very find a vein. So the uh, the uh, the night before the uh, surgery, they have to find a vein. And they have to uh, put an IV for the anesthesia and for the trips and all to go in right. So they were not able to find a vein. They poked me around a dozen times, I guess. Maybe was, I don't remember how many times he started crying. My friend was staying with me that night. I didn't want mm. my mom and dad to 
infection because it was covid peak time yeah, so I, they... i didn't want them to get infected so my friend was uh, staying with me i started crying oh my god it's very painful <laughs> and then finally a nurse found it somewhere here a small vein okay and then that was one story the next story was the, the terrible story what happened is she gave me a razor to shave off all the hair in my uh, axilla and my uh, private parts it may be big hair also okay so that was actually a procedure done because why they do it because in emergency cases if i go unconscious or mm. into some other complication they will put a catheter so for that uh, the pubic hair is usually removed okay okay so for that only they are asking me to do it huh. for a layman don't understand why they are asking you to do it but i have worked in an ot so i know why they are asking me to remove my pubic hair okay. i got ten Like I told my friend, no, I'm going to I'm going to go into the stage, and they're going to put a catheter, and the surgery is going to get complicated and stuff. And she was like, "This is a usual procedure. Every everyone who's going into an OT should do this. Okay, that's a mm. that's a standard. Okay. This is standard. Well, then why are you getting tense? We know that it's a standard protocol, but still, when it comes to me, I get I like I'm yeah. so much tense. But I did that. So that was two like horror movies that happened the day before, huh. and I know. there my mom dad my friend everyone is there before i get into ot my mom is like i'm staying here don't worry the full time i will stay here as soon as you open your eyes you will see me uh, okay okay, okay. <laughs> very strong i'm going inside so she gave me an anesthesia slept off that guy was kind of in a nightmare that time i don't know and the surgery went on well okay and then uh, i came to recovery room i was like uh, drowsy in a state my mom was standing when i open my eyes you were saying well you are you are very good and stuff and the surgeon as soon as his surgery uh, finished what did the surgeon do surgeon went out and informed my mom before that my mom got a call that the surgery went well and stuff from the our friend ah. so it like <laughs> that way to okay so okay the mom was okay fine she's well but i was in the recovery and i opened my eyes my mom was in my friend was there like you're all right you're good And okay, we're just sleeping, drowsy, and still in the recovery. You have to be after general anesthesia. They'll keep you in the recovery room for more than one hour. The surgery okay. was around four hours, and after that, one hour, one and a half. Five hours. Surgery was for for five hours. No, forty minutes. Thirty minutes. minutes. Okay. Not five hours. It's just simple surgery. Ah, okay. So yeah, after that, you'll be in the recovery room for one hour. Still, the uh, general anesthesia waves off. You'll be there. Okay, and then um, and then what happened? Doctor Logan then came. He was a pulmonologist. Mm-hmm. See, he was not doing the surgery because only the surgeon will be there. So the pulmonologist came to visit me during his rounds. So he came and he he stood beside me and said, "How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I was kind of okay that time. I was not so drowsy and all. I was able to talk. It was very painful, but I could feel the pain. But still, I told him, "How are you? I'm I'm good." Okay, when do you want to get discharged today? Even in the drowsy state, I am telling I want to get discharged today. <laughs> and then he called. Okay, call. I'm calling your mother. Call her. And she came in, and he thought uh, my mother will tell something. Okay, let her stay for tonight, and I'll discharge her tomorrow. But she she's the sassy mom. Okay, what she mm. did was when uh, the doctor came in and asked her like, I. I asked her. She's telling she wants to discharge today, but I will. I would suggest to stay tonight and get discharged tomorrow. Mm. My mom, uh, my mom turned the side and looked at me and like, 
மெடிக்கல் ரிப்போர்ட்ஸ் you don't know what the diagnosis actually okay. is and hmm. run again a set of tests to confirm the diagnosis oh okay so there will be three options so i am i was the state like which option is going to be or which diagnosis it's going to be uh, in one of the one night maybe after 10 days uh, my me and my father are kind of discussing uh, what what is your after the diagnosis what have you planned I told if it is tuberculosis, I will take treatment in Coimbatore because for tuberculosis, everywhere all around the world, it, uh, the treatment is mm. the same thing. They follow the same protocol, the same medicine. So I will follow it here. If it is going to be cancer, then I need to go to Apollo and I have to consult Dr. Ramanin, who has consulted, who has treated my grandmother, okay. the same doctor. I, I, I feel comfortable one day with him. So I told mm. him and my mom was like sitting with this. Can you people talk like this? I can't even imagine you having cancer. <laughs> okay, my father and I were like, we are being practical. We are just yeah. talking all these days. And uh, she was like, she was very, the 15 days, all three of us didn't have sleep and it was sleepless nights. Oh, it was like that. And then uh, in the middle, it was a surgery, right? They had put sutures. So I went to the hospital to remove the suture and stuff. It ha- happened in this 15 days. So the next uh, milestone was getting my diagnosis. Yeah. So what happened? We uh, again my ma, ma, pa, and me, three of them went to the hospital. So my, I told uh, my mother and father to stay down, and then I told, let me go up get my uh, reports. So I went upstairs. So first thing was they had uh, I had to pay a bill or something. or some extra bill because uh, they called me in the middle and told you have something extra to pay okay fine i'll just i went to the billing session paid and then went to get it it had it had some half per hour billing and stuff and then i went to the, get the report so the first time i got my report uh, i still remember the moment like it was yesterday <laughs> so like i i saw this lymphoma so yeah it is the last impression was hodgkin's lymphoma classical hodgkin's mm-hmm. lymphoma nodular sclerotic type yeah so as i as i always say being in the medical field you know what are these terminologies and where to actually see a report like a report has a lot of uh, stories but actual thing comes in the last line which says impression mm, right right so that that was my diagnosis so the first thing i saw like i was like what uh, is it stunned 
and i still remember my my eyes went blurry and i sat down i was not able to digest that stuff immediately mm-hmm. and um, towards the uh, tears rolled down my cheeks and and then after that i i understood the situation this is my situation you have been diagnosed with cancer that's okay fine is just a diagnosis you can move forward and then i just told these words to myself mm-hmm. and the next thing that hit my mind was my mother and father are standing down i can't afford yeah. to cry for them is going to break them so i decided no you are not going to try so i just wiped off my tears got the report i had to get a second report okay mm-hmm. that is confirmatory report for tuberculosis okay final report which will say whether i have tuberculosis or not obviously i got my cancer report first which told like uh-huh. cancer but uh but a, a, a deep inside me a, a, a cute little part inside we still told that no you're going to t- get the tb report and that is going to be positive and which means uh, this this will be negative this is a false report and that will be a false report and you really have tb like a hope so or something my, yeah like <laughs> some hope like some childish hope i really know uh-huh. this is a major report but still i have the childish hope of tb being positive and this being a fake report yeah <laughs> okay so i got, got the tb report and it came negative obviously hmm. okay the tb report came negative so the tb report came came in a envelope okay hmm. the envelope and i kept that envelope this cancer report didn't come in an envelope this this two sheets just a together. paper okay yeah so i just kept it in a file put it in a cover i went down went to my mother and father said i have not opened the report yet i showed uh-huh. them the envelope thing and told it is inside the envelope i didn't open the cover let the doctors see and uh, let them like my mother didn't believe me in first place because mm. she know you uh, being a therapist how can a person be not see a medical report uh-huh. you obviously this you will definitely see it i don't know i have not seen the report let the doctor see uh, see the report and tell me what's the diagnosis i'm not seeing it you also don't see a result i got the reports and we just walked to see the doctor that time my mom uh, entered through a different entrance and me and my bad dad in, uh, entered mm-hmm. through the entrance so we i got a 2 minutes break from my mom mm-hmm. okay so that that's when i told dad that apa uh, it's cancer definitely it, uh, the diagnosis confirmed mm-hmm. lymphoma and he told uh, what is the next step of treatment i told it will be chemotherapy the, i don't think they will give me su- such a surgery for me it will be chemotherapy uh, how many cycles he asked me i don't know that i think will be i don't know which stage it is in usually chemo- there are six cycles of chemotherapy it depends upon the stage okay which you are diagnosed hmm. so i told him i don't know which stage you are diagnosed yet and to which part it has already spread so let's not take this it's chemotherapy let's go and see the doctor and move from there mm. so waiting to see the doctor for around one hour because we're waiting he's like first come first serve it's not an appointment i think for one hour so my mo- mom was in complete tension and my mo- and only we actually we are hiding the truth from my mom uh-huh. and most uh, my dad is kind of he can't have secrets so he 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 avoided eye contact with with mom and he was turning this side and this <laughs> he also doesn't want to reveal it to my mother even uh-huh. i didn't want and then 
we are being called inside i already gave the reports to the doctor we are being called inside and my mom came with me oh. i thought by some some scenario, some drama is going to happen but suddenly the nurse came in and said only two people allowed only one attended allowed so please stand out till again my mom asked to stand out <laughs> till the doctor the doctor went to the reports he cross checked whether it's my report or whether something is mismatched mm. or something go through everything and he said uh, shruti can you wait outside and i was like uh, okay doctor i i have already read the report i know it's cancer you can continue with me inside and he was like shocked <laughs> what <laughs> like yes so you know what's lymphoma i obviously know what's lymphoma i am a physiotherapist i know what's lymphoma so you can proceed yeah he asked my father like is it okay to continue talking with huh. her inside and she he told that's completely fine she has to decide what what is next step so she can stay inside so it's my decision throughout the journey mm. from starting to diagnosis till i complete my treatment post treatment it's been my complete uh, selecting the doctor selecting the treatment yeah it's been your decision yeah everything was my decision so he told me she has she's a decision maker so she has to say and then uh, he continued mm. doctor continued explaining the condition he told amongst the other cancers lymphoma is is a way more better cancer and in lymphoma there are different types of lymphoma the type i got is kind of better hmm. and in we have subtypes and in that subtype the subtype i got is kind of better acha <laughs> when he told a better version of cancer a better version of cancer <laughs> which is better version uh, literally means it's easily treatable and ah. you have a prognosis and a survival rate and then yeah i told him and he referred me to a doctor who is in that hospital in coimbatore uh, to an oncologist he told we have a very good oncology team we can uh, proceed there with chemotherapy and i told him no i'm i'm going to see dr ramanan who is in chennai and he asked do you know ramanan personally yes we know know him he treated my grandmother and that's when he heard of me telling my grandma had cancer okay. so that's when it it may be genetic so he asked me your mother your grandmother had cancer yes she had cancer she had lung cancer followed by some throat cancer stuff i explained him that and told him okay fine you have some sense now why i got cancer but no it may be so genetic so it was genetic like you had it some report not. or something because uh, no, there no. are some no tests one... right for the yeah yeah, yeah. to check yeah. whether it's genetic ha i'm not checked it the uh, day they didn't have lymphoma in our family um, it was mostly throat and uh, lung yeah. yeah so that's i didn't check it so it's maybe Just, maybe not right yeah maybe a mm-hmm. 50 50 maybe mm-hmm. or maybe not so and then uh, i told him uh, yeah i don't doctor amanin he has treated my grandma so i want to have treatment with him he told okay fine go ahead so then uh, we actually shifted from chennai we were staying in chennai till that time mm. that is that i actually shifted all the things from chennai but we still had our own house in chennai so what we planned is for the complete course of treatment we will stay there we'll get some basic things to say there whatever is necessary we'll get and we can stay there it's not a big deal my grand, my, mother, my father was like okay fine it's not mm. a big deal we we'll get some money get some basic things to say and we can stay there all the three can stay there mm-hmm. so this house in kambatur where i'm actually now here i came here again to see my parents now okay <laughs> actually here now 
But this house is uh, locked up. This is actually a, uh, a duplay house. It was locked up oh. with all our things. And we went there for six months for free. Okay. So that's one thing. And then what happened is next milestone is telling this news to my mother. Still Ay, we are right. the doctor's cabin. So we have to come out and face our mother and say, this is the diagnosis. Like we, we both were afraid of how my mother is going to digest it. So I came out, my mother was like, what happened, what happened, what happened? I told her, it's cancer. I, I didn't I, I didn't tell her I know before and all that story was huh. told afterwards. Who oh, you told her? I told her after like maybe two days I told her that. Okay. Yeah, huh. <laughs> so that time I just told it's cancer. I mean to do, do chemo. Hmm. Let's that's it. It's you were knowing like with stage it was no 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 biopsy Achha. doesn't tell you that. Okay. That was just uh, this is cancer that's all. Uh-huh. So then um, my mom was in real shock. She was not able to uh, get into which state she's in, which environment she's in. She started, I don't remember she crying. She was in a state of shock. Mm. So the next thing we had to do is go and see my general surgeon who did the biopsy. I have to show the reports to him also because both the doctors should see the report. That's a protocol. Okay. So I have to go and see the uh, that doctor also. That doctor being a friend of friend, and I know him, he, he talks very well. He's mm-hmm. kind of a very friendly doctor. Dr. Loganathan, who is the pulmonologist, is not such kind of a friendly doctor. He puts on points and says, this is that. Mm-hmm. But the general surgeon is kind of a kind of a friendly doctor. He he talks with passion. <coughs> so I thought, okay, let, let mom come and see him. So I took the biopsy report and... Uh, this time, uh, my father stayed outside and me and my mother went to see the general surgeon with the reporter. Hmm. And what happened is, uh, he saw the suture line, he said everything, the suture line is very good, the surgery, you don't have any infection and stuff, it's completely healed. And he saw the report and he also said the same thing, Hodgkin's lymphoma is completely curable, don't worry, it'll be fine, it'll take around six months or seven months, it'll be completely fine and stuff. Hmm. So that's he told my mother and and that time my mom was like okay yeah, everything is going to be fine so she she came into that mindset okay everything is going to be fine but still she was in the shock and she was in the verge of crying and stuff but okay she was kind of okay i told her i am strong please don't cry and make me depressed i am good and then uh, we came out of the hospital we, we saw both the doctors we don't have any other job there we have to come and now the next next set is you have to go to Chennai and see Dr. Ramanan, the oncologist. So then we called my uncle, my mom's brother, elder brother, who's actually in direct, direct contact with Dr. Ramanan. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so we called him uh, and said, like my mother called him and said, uh, Papa is being diagnosed with cancer and we have to see Dr. Ramanan. And then he talked with me and he said there is a lot of uh, usual advice there is a lot of medicine being improved you'll be completely all right don't worry and stuff so i was okay fine i don't i'm not worrying just get an appointment with dr ramanin mm. so i called friday saturday sunday is a holiday he booked me the first appointment on monday okay. so he got me the first appointment on monday i it's because it's just because i am the uh, you know you know like the most 
most cutest uh, <laughs> kid of whole family. Mm. The most kid of whole family. Okay. Yeah, I'm the pet of everyone. All uh-huh. my uncles and all. So it's been heartbreaking for everyone. But still, uh, my, my my uncle didn't want to delay the treatment. So the first appointment I'm getting you, you have to start treatment immediately. Mm. So it is going to further. So cancer is like growing every day, right? So yeah. I can't offer to uh, grow it again. So let's let's start treatment immediately. So that's the first thing he told. So and then we are sitting there and I told my uncle that was the first thing. And call my do- first pulmonologist, Dr. Hari Prasad in Chennai. So I called him and told, uh, been diagnosed with cancer. This is the diagnosis. And he told, okay, fine, don't worry. It's completely treatable. It's just uh, don't let the word cancer get into you. That is that society is seeing cancer. <coughs> As a medical professional, you should know like cancer is just a diagnosis. It's it's like any other disease and it's completely treatable. So that's all. We came home. <coughs> Sorry, I have a bad cough. No, it's okay. So the when I came home, the next uh, the next nightmare was waiting. I have to reveal this news to my grandparents, like my grandma alone. She was here. It was on my mother's mother, my mother's mother's sister. Okay. Yeah. My mother's aunt. Hmm. But she's close to us. She lives near my house also. I have to reveal that news to her. So she started crying. She was the first person to start crying. Uh, uh, it is her who has seen her mother suffer from cancer. She's the person who has seen her mother suffer from cancer. Her elder sister, that's my grandma, suffer from cancer till the last stage. Mm. And now it's me, my granddaughter. Yeah. So she's seeing every generation suffering from cancer. And she was like, I have to see all this. So huh. why am I still alive? All this? So it was that state of mind for her. And she was very depressed. I was like, okay, fine, chill. It's, it's curable. It'll be okay and stuff. And then my mom went there and mom didn't, my mom didn't cry a lot in front of me. She cried to that grandma. So they were like uh, sitting and crying uh, like around half an hour or one hour. I don't know. I was not there. And then uh, the next day we uh, started to Chennai. So but the next day we are coming to Chennai for uh, moving to Chennai to see the doctor and see what's what's going on further. So we went to Chennai. Uh, the Monday first appointment was with him. We met him and he was like, Hodgkin's lymphoma is completely treatable, don't worry. And then he told, uh, let's take a, first you have to take a PET scan, which will say which stage I'm in. Mm. And then he asked me a complete history of what symptoms I had earlier or now. Mm, right. uh, and I asked him one doubt, like, do I had, did I have any chance that I could have diagnosed this or I have noted it a little bit earlier? Earlier. Earlier. So, like, I asked him, the symptoms were you putting on weight, and the second symptom was your cough, the third symptom was your nodule. Okay. All these things can happen in any other case. Cough is a normal thing everyone has, and how will you suspect cough to cancer? <laughs> yeah. And nodule, like every person you point out will have some kind of nodule in some part of their body. Okay. 
how you how you're supposed to like connect this into cancer so it's not possible right. don't worry about too much it's fine and i asked him what's the cost maybe my lifestyle my eating habits may be a cost mm. he told cancer has no cost unknown cost that's all if it is a lung cancer which you got it in 50 years then i would say you're you're a chronic smoker so you got lung cancer in 50 years mm. for a right. 22 year 22 year old who has been healthy who has been moving around you are not sitting in a place you have been moving around working you have been to college yeah so no one, uh, why a 21 year old got cancer it's not possible so you don't have a cost for it it is nil and then he i told me to get a pet ct so a uh, positron emission tomography i guess it's pet ct to take it for cancer and where are the cancers are and what stage it is in stuff so this is my first scan i took it in anderson which is in chennai and then i went there for that scan again you have to be in fasting overnight fasting you should not you can have water but you should not eat anything eat anything yeah they'll again get an iv so which mm-hmm. is again an iv for me so <laughs> second time iv been worked but this time i told i i know where the line is i told i have a line here please <laughs> Okay. Right. So then they used that line, and then uh, they they injected some medicines for the uh, scan, and then asked uh, some bottle of uh, some tonics to drink and stuff. And I went to the CT. The CT report came in uh, the next day itself. The next day, or the day before, day after, mm-hmm. I guess. And I went to the doctor. I didn't get the report. They sent the report directly to the doctor. I didn't see the report. So I went to the doctor. He didn't tell much about it, but the one thing he told was, "I I told you I had back pain, right? Yeah. So along complete journey, I still had the back pain. Actually, oh. Daily, I had the evening, evening, every evening, I'll have the severe back pain. So along this complete but, process, but uh, this you didn't uh, tell to doctor or something. No, no. Like I told every doctor. Uh-huh. I I told every doctor I met that I have this issue. so uh, i told this to dr ramnan also and then uh, he when the report came he asked me again where do you have the pain i spotted the pain and told this is where i have it and he told your cancer has been spread there you have patches of cancer there in your backbone that's why that explains your pain and as soon as we start treatment the pain will go off don't worry it will heal on its own so that was the first thing he told and the first thing that struck me is struck me was your cancer is spread to your bone which is the deadliest and the worst thing which anyone can imagine from where it's, to where it, it is it was actually the primary site was lymphoma is that affects your lymph nodes which is all over your body like you have it in your neck cancer uh, just heart. a second i'm so sorry yeah so lymphoma is basically that affects all your lymph nodes you have lymph nodes in your neck in your axilla and your throughout your body mm. so i have been i have cancer in throughout my body along all the lymph nodes okay yeah so uh, that has been spread to my bone which is in my back bone mainly my vertebra so that was one shocking news he told but uh, you are in mute Yeah, that's why your back was paining since a long time. Yeah, right? since a long time. That was a reason. Oh. Okay. So, so from uh, that time only, uh, that cancer had spread to your bones, like backbone. Yeah. Oh. Maybe. 
um, two months, but that that has been severely affected. But before that, it would have started spreading, but will not know have been have been only in the later stages will have that severe uh, pain. Mm -hmm. So then I uh, he told me that it's been spread to your back, and that's why you have pain. And we'll start off chemo the next day. But as you don't get uh, easily accessible veins, he, he told me to have another surgery. To insert a chemo port, which is here, it's still inside. Uh, mm -hmm. it's here. Yeah. Uh, that's a device which helps, like it'll, it'll, have, it'll have a connection to your... Uh, it is something vein. like a square part? Square thing? Yeah. It's, uh, okay. it's a square uh, yeah. round thing. Huh. So they keep it there and just they poke it there instead of putting a vein and inserting a needle into it. They insert a needle mm -hmm. into this. <laughs> Every time they insert a needle into that. Okay, so he asked me to do that surgery. I was like, okay, fine. Every time being poked for a dozen of times in my hands, this is a way more. <laughs> ah, right. Okay, so and then I again, I had to get admitted on the next day for the surgery. So... Before getting admitted for the surgery, I went to the uh, diagnostic center and got my report. Okay, so that's when I'm seeing the report and that states that I have stage four lymphoma. That's again, another milestone oh. for me, oh. my family. And my father, I, actually till that time, my father was in an idea of saying maybe in stage two or something. Oh. I think I, like, it's in the final stage, it's in stage one. He was like, what? How can you, how can like, there is no symptoms till stage four. How can it be? It's not possible. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, like, and he was very shocked about it. And I told him, okay, fine. Even in stage four, it is, it is. Were you shocked when you saw? I'm kind of like, when four. I was like stage four, I was shocked. Like I've been in a medical field. I've been surrounded by doctors and therapists and a lot of people that not even a single person could notice something that could say it is right. cancer. It is cancer. Uh, yeah, and I've studied like dozens of books, which which are each book will be like this much. And what use of studying so much if you don't yeah. you're strong with me? So I was like kind kind of that mindset, but I was still strong. I don't know what is going to happen, but I was saying okay, fine, let's let's face it. Okay, fine, no. let's face it. <laughs> a big deal. Okay, it's okay. And then uh, the next day got admitted for surgery, and that that is again a nightmare for me. Like I was fasting, uh, I was, it was that, uh, that uh, the preparatory hall for operation, you know, there'd be a lot of beds. It was very cold. I was very, like, I, I'm very sensitive to cold. I was mm -hmm. shivering all day. And I also told the anesthesiologist, like, I have back pain, severe back pain. You have to give me some painkiller for that. So, like, I have to tell all this and stuff. And uh, there was a fun item that happened. I had kind of this much hair before mm. being diagnosed in the, in the time of December. Mm. After I got the diagnosis and my pet CT, which said that I am in stage 4 cancer, I went to the barbershop and I just did a boycott. I usually have a boycott, but that was the one time I grew my hair to color my hair for one oh. one. Hmm. I colored my hair in October and I had chopped it in December first, second week, I guess. Hmm. The coloring up went off waste. <laughs> okay, so then I chopped my hair. And actually, I, I, I for surgery, you don't wear any jewels. Sure. I'm look, looking like a boy there. I went into the operation theater and the surgeon welcomed me. Hey, 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 gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> I, I didn't hear it. I just went. 
I think at that time they had an issue of that that surgery also they had some issues with my vein. They have to poke me here. When you do it in this, it is kind of cloth CCD. Okay, so that's very painful because uh, you will not have much of a, a muscle here. Huh. It is mainly bone. You can directly touch onto your bone, right? So it will be very painful. Yeah. It was very painful, and I was I was having that in mind. And when he go, went into surgery, and he tell, "Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, how are you?" <laughs> I just uh, lay down, and what he did was next thing was the worst thing. Okay, it was the worst. I actually kind of ha- still laugh at it. When uh-huh. What he did? The surgery is actually here. Okay, okay. but it's a male. They will just remove the top, and they will they will make the patient lie down. And he was like. He removed it completely, and then, oh my God, it's a girl. <laughs> and then he closed. He did it like till here, and then he did uh-huh. the surgery. So that was like the anesthesia is being injected. So I'm like half, half mind, but that registered in my mind. So, <laughs> and after this, I, I, I came out of surgery. I've been telling this to everyone who I met, and I'll be just start laughing. This is a kind of a joke part that happened in the surgery operation theater, and then I went, came off, and I was very tired. It was very painful surgery. They had a general anesthesia plus local anesthesia in my bone. I was not able to lift up my arm, and it was very painful. So the chemo started the next day, early morning. Mm. So the next day, early morning, the first chemo is the worst nightmare I had. The next chemo went on smoothly, but the first chemo is the worst thing happened to me. So I don't know how chemo is going to be here, how it's going to react and stuff. They put a needle. They told me it will take six hours. The first there will be three medicines which will take two hours, and then there's only one medicine which will take two to take two hours. Okay. So the first three medicines uh, went on smoothly. Even now, as I am talking, I get that feeling of being in that chemo. Actually, <laughs> that's my turn. So then. And the last uh, medicine was decarbizin. It is the deadliest, deadliest medicine of all, all years. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that that started, and uh, after uh, uh, maybe an hour or something, I was not able to stand up. I I I'm I'm losing consciousness. I'm unable to breathe. I have a lot of pain. I don't know how to explain it at all. And then that's when I I I saw death nearing me, and I was like, no, I'm God, I'm going to die. I don't remember the reality, and you know, you are in a state of unconscious versus conscious, and in some some world, it's not uh, real. Right. You were like a dream. In some world, yeah, it's kind of a lucid dream. Ah, uh, right. I now I I can't imagine what happened that time, hmm. but I know thing like. I I know like it was very deadly like I don't know I remember it okay so it was very very bad I was not able to cope up I was not able to stand mm. then that first time I urinated in the bed itself the bed pan okay and then uh, I still remember um, the uh, the attendants who come and place the bed pan and wipe everything and go and I was like I'm sorry like it's okay it's a job but I'm really sorry I'm not able to stand up and go to the restroom. So for the next two days, my state was that I was not able to stand up. I was continuously vomiting, not able to eat anything, having uh, everything into my IV as saline and stuff into a oh my god, that's that's a worst nightmare. 
So after two days, I was discharged. Uh, I had to go home. This is after first chemo, right? Yeah, yeah, first chemo. Yeah. First chemo was this this bad. I had to go home. I don't know what to do. And that's the first time I realized cancer is not a deadly disease. No, everyone is telling you the wrong stuff. The process. Be, uh, yeah. <laughs> the process of treatment is the worst nightmare. You can die out of cancer. That is easier. <laughs> You're dying out of cancer. <laughs> My God, it kills, it kills every person. Each, the four medicines they gave me, adriamycin is responsible for the hair loss. Okay. So, winblastin is responsible for my loss of sensation in my toes, in my fingers and stuff. So, every, every each and every medicine has a worst side effect. Mm-hmm. Which? Out of which, uh, uh, the carbamycin has a lot of side effects like uh, breathlessness and pain. And I was, I, I had a lot of CMS and stuff. And then, okay, fine. So, after my first chemo, two days, after two days, I got discharged, went home. I had a lot of vomiting. And then, mm-hmm. I was back into my toes having fun and stuff and then uh, after my first chemo i think i removed completely i had a pocket first uh, mm. before after my first chemo i just completely shaved my head like this much i had oh, okay. shaved it. after that regularly i shave my hair like as it grows i'll shave it because uh, there'll be patches i didn't want to see the patches so i shaved completely and I, I felt very confident looking bald. I don't have any issues having a bald head. So I was okay with that. So the after my first chemo, I had to go, before the second chemo starts, two days before that, I have to go and see my doctor for a consultation with a blood report. He'll check my weight. He'll check my hemoglobin, WBC and stuff. So that time I went and uh, he asked him, uh, he asked me to get admitted. Yeah. Hmm. Told him, no, I'm not getting admitted. That there is a uh, thing known as a daycare, which you go in the early in the morning, you complete a chemo and come back. Hmm. But he told last time you did a mess, so you you created a drama. <laughs> you 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 are not well. You had a lot of complications. So it is not uh, it is not advised to do it in daycare. He was not very okay with the daycare. He wanted me to get admitted. I told no, I'm going to try this this time daycare. Hmm. Be confident, I'll finish it in daycare and come on. So for the second chemo, I, I fought with him and say I'm going to be in daycare, I can manage, don't worry, give me a chance. So the second time, yeah, okay, he told, okay, fine, be in daycare. The next time I put up my mind and said the, the two main things that affected in my first chemo were mm-hmm. vomiting, which is actually nausea and dizziness. So dizziness is actually, you're getting uh, like, oh my God, it's like this. It's spinning. Yeah, it's a mode before fainting off. Mm. Dizziness, actually you will not faint off. It's okay. just a mode of mm. your the swirling around you. That's all. Yeah. Nausea is not vomiting. It's just a feel that you are going to vomit. You're going to vomit. Uh, yeah. So I made it very uh, a statement in my mind. It is nausea. It is just telling you, you have a feel to vomit, but you'll not vomit. Don't worry. Dizziness is just a feeling of you're going to get fainted, but you'll not faint. You'll not go unconscious. So chill. So I, I, I told this again and again to my mind and made my mind so strong that I'm not going to get dizziness or nausea throughout my chemotherapy. I didn't get it. 
believe me that it happened to me so i was very strong not getting it so the second chemo went on well i just went off dozed off to sleep he gave me some sleeping pills for 3 days so i just dozed off to dozed off to sleep and then uh, when i woke up the chemo body over came out home next mostly every chemo went off that but i had a lot of side effects i did have vomiting i have like i've also put a reel on this like i've started putting reels on what my journey was so uh 50 times no 100 times no 500 times probably i put 500 times so <laughs> my cancer journey it's like that <laughs> okay yeah uh, so it's like that i puked a lot of times and now vomiting is like well, it's just vomiting nothing else i can eat and i vomit i can sleep so but throughout my cancer journey is made it one standard protocol that whatever you vomit eat vomit and sleep again eat vomit sleep mm. so it's like I, even today afternoon i puked a lot of food and in the was like asking me mom can you make some morning pakoda for me and she's like what you puked you puked in the afternoon so what i feel like having on it pakoda can you make honey pakoda for me and she was like oh my god i got nervous this time <laughs> she be like whatever i do how how much have i puked i eat made that up like a standard thing mm. so had a lot of food eat every I I didn't take any meals. I split up the meals and took around six to seven meals every day. So I ate a lot. I puked a lot too. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I I also had uh, once I had Taco Bell. I once I had KFC. Once I had Domino's pizza and all. I got permission and he told once in fifteen days you are allowed to eat something from outside. He can have. I had a lot of pastries, chocolates and stuff also. that is during chemotherapy but now i've completely stopped out said but okay post i have changed kind of my lifestyle mm-hmm. self into a lifestyle but during chemo you your uh, tongue will ask for something you love so you can have it's it's not big of a deal that's how it went the entire chemotherapy session was tragic i don't know how to say it after mm-hmm. my first four sessions i took a intermittent spet ct um i took that and that showed a very good prognosis and i thought 90% of the cancer was gone in that pit okay. i read the and the next day i went to see the doctor i i i i am imagining maybe two more chemos and then he'll ask me okay chill you can go he told eight more chemos after that i was like what like after four completely four chemos it was more eight yeah 90% of the uh, cancer has went off in the for that act, 10% you need eight more i today get eight more like why because it's not revert it shall come again ah right so for precautionary measures you have to give me eight chemos i was like okay fine and then it went on every chemo had some other side effect my nails turned black so 12 chemos yeah <laughs> so <laughs> Back. and one time was my tongue that was the worst nightmare i i think i had some popcorn with masala that popcorn masala no mm. added very spicy so after that usually when you have spicy stuff your tongue will be like pink reddish pink or something huh. so i just went in front of the mirror to see the pink tongue but what came out was a black tongue the color of your hair i still have a black tongue only 
So it was like the complete toxicity of the chemo has gone and settled in my tongue. <laughs> so that, that's when I saw, okay, I am taking in so much of poison. Chemo um. is literally poison. So I'm taking so much of poison, it's, it's staying in my tongue. And when I went to the doctor and told him, see my tongue, what color it is. And he was like, <laughs> be careful in what you're saying to everyone. Like, what happened? Because whatever you say will come true. Why? Because you have a karunaka. Karnaka is like whenever has uh, there is a belief that whoever has black things and that comes true, right? So you know that it is like, man, I am telling you, I have a side effect, and you're making fun of me. (laughs) Doctor like that. He's like ultimate humor sense. So he told that, and he told after six months it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So my nails were complete pitch black, and my toes lost sensation. So whenever you wear a slipper. It is not always necessary. You have to look into the slipper to wear it, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know what you're wearing. But for me, it was not like that. I have to look into it because I don't know where oh, I'm my hair. Right. Okay. For, and then I didn't know how hot something was. So it literally burned myself. Hmm. And I was very careful on not hurting myself because my blood will not clot. My pla- hmm. All my blood is dead because yeah. it's chemo. It will not clot. So I had a, a variety of side effects. I lost all my eyelashes. I have beautiful eyelashes. My eye, that all went off. And what happened is, whenever I go out, it started watering. Because mm-hmm. eyelashes is that protects you from the dust. Yeah. Right? Very sensitive, and I had to wear goggles. And each everything had a kind of side effect. But as the uh, chemo progressed, the side effects worsened. The nausea worsened. I had diarrhea and a lot more, like severe. In pain, a lot of stuff. But every every day I sleep, I I still remember a, a black demon standing beside me, and I fearing the demon is going to pick me up and go as soon as I close my eyes. Uh-huh. So a lot of nights I don't go to sleep, fearing the demon is going to take me away. Hmm. So and then I'll call my mom, sleep with me, and kind of right. And there were nights I slept off alone. I didn't have an issue. So I, I, it, every day I grew a bit more stronger than the before day. Mm-hmm. That, so that was my cancer journey. And I still remember May 28th. May 24th is my birthday. But till last year, this year, May 24th was a very special day. But from last year, May 28th has become my special day because that was my last chemo day. Uh-huh. It was literally, like I have 20 days more for your birthday, no, for May 28th. <laughs> I for May 28th, for 10 days more and stuff. So the uh, the one time I I had to I had the verge of crying is the last time, 28th, all my chemo completed. They pulled off the needle, mm-hmm. and the last time that the needle is going inside me, it's, it's my mindset. And then I started crying. I hugged my mom and said, it's, it's, it's finally over. I, I completed six months of chemo. And like, oh my God, it's over. Yeah. So that was a final thing. I was so much happy on that day. I just jumped here and there. I told the nurses, <laughs> like, I will, not, I will not see your face yet another time. And, like, <laughs> and, <I came. laughs> and they were like, Bank, why are you telling this to us? I, I just told them and came off. And then um, after after a week or so, we came from Chennai to Kambatur. And after a month, I took my final PET CT. Mm. And I, I remember seeing my final PET CT. 
it said I'm cancer free, but it also said I have some nodules still pending in my lung. Okay. I was tensed. After two, two days, I had to consult with the doctor. Mm -hmm. Explained, he told me, those nodules will stay forever because my mm -hmm. lung has undergone a lot of scarring. Right. So only half is actually functioning for me now. Mm -hmm. The other lung actually scarred completely. So that nodules, don't worry. And you're cancer free. Three months once, come for a follow-up. Other than that, you're completely all right. Wow. So, <coughs> I was very happy. I, I went running to my grandma. I hugged her and started crying. And the next day, that's the next day, he, she also started crying. And yeah. I went, oh my God, six months. Of, that was a, so much of stressful period for everyone in my family. Like, yeah. Every day chemo like is everything fine is she all right and the next three days is going to be vomiting my grandpa my grandmother my uncles aunts and everyone will take care of me and they have to take it's a constant worry in, that, hmm. in their mind right? right it went on and then the last time i saw the doctor all my blood reports were very good the wbc my hemoglobin was very good and i asked him can i go to chennai and live on my own and work he said yeah fine you can go and now now i got permission from my mom I moved to Chennai. I'm staying alone. I'm having. I'm, I've. I've seen a one BHK for rent. I'm staying wow. with one of So yeah, I'm staying there. I'm doing my work, my studies, cooking on myself, independent life, <laughs> and myself. You know. Yeah. That's the end of story. <laughs> so um, now, who's going through the similar journey like yours? What are the three advice or suggestions you would give that person from your side? Um, the one, yeah, the only one thing I will say is chemotherapy will definitely cure cancer. Mm. But the main thing you have to have in mind is you have to have the mental strength to face the chemo, not the cancer. Mm, chemo will take right. up the cancer. You have to deal with the chemo, but you'll have, you should have just mental strength. That's all. Love, hope, mental strength and a lot of support you will fight cancer no no doubt in it at all that's yeah. one thing and the next thing would be <coughs> don't don't restrict yourself or your diet during the chemo mm -hmm. you have any uh, complications like you have blood sugar or uh, or uh, hypertension other than that don't restrict on your food you will have vomiting, you will have diarrhea, you will have stomach pain, you will have everything but eat. Eating is the only remedy to get hmm. back. Eat your... whatever you want. What do you want? What do you feel like? Just ask yeah. your doctor. This, you will definitely say yes, you eat. That's it. Hmm. And the third thing would be not to a cancer patient but to everyone I would say like think about today. Don't keep worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow you may not be alive. Believe me, it's standard not only for cancer patients. Yeah. Everyone, you will meet with an accident today or tomorrow early in the morning. Who knows? Yeah. Just worry about today. Don't think too much and stress yourself too much about tomorrow because stress is one driving factor for everything, every disease around you. Mm. Even including cancer. I still have a, have something that's that says inside me that when the cancer actually started two years back, I was in a lot of stress that time. I, oh. I stress much. So I still have a feeling that that stress is, has been the driving factor for cancer. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. So I don't, don't take the risk of stressing yourself into a health condition 
and then learning that uh, stress free <laughs> should be stress free learned it in the worst way that stress is the last thing one should have yeah so for today forget about tomorrow have a beautiful life smile be strong love spread love and love everyone who is around you get love and back in return don't worry <laughs> and if you have to sum up your journey in just one line what it would be cancer has made me stronger into a different person uh, into an inspiration and into a motivational speaker yeah so, that's true <laughs> thank, you. thank you cancer i love you yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay then thank you for your valuable time i'm sure this session really motivates people out there who have traveled or been traveling through cancer it was lovely having you here today once again thank you so much thank you shruti thank you